If you want to open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus is the third book of the Bible, if you're not familiar. It was Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. So we are going to be in the book of Leviticus, and we're going to start there today. If you haven't been here the last four weeks, we've been kind of walking through uh, kind of a series of messages. It began with the message my wife gave, uh, talking about the fire of God, the fire of His presence being in our tents, representing our homes or our households, and also the fire of God in the, our gatherings as we gather together with one another in circles and small groups and um, whether that's here or there or in a four by four or, or whatever, wherever you meet, that we want God to be the center. And so the last three week or last two weeks, we've looked at just all the places where fire represents God's presence in the scripture. And so today we're going to go to the next one. We, we started with, with Abraham and the covenant, and uh, I can't go into all of it right now. I don't have time. You don't want me to preach two straight weeks and a third week, do you? Some of you don't mind, but some of you do, maybe. So we've been doing that. We looked at Abraham with the fire. God showed up as a fire in the covenant with him. And we looked at the covenants. We looked at Moses, where the burning bush came, and God gave a commission. And we looked at the fire in the wilderness that led the people of Israel to give them direction and protection. Last week, we looked at Elijah and the fire that came from heaven when he prayed in 1 Kings 18, if you need to look that up. That's where we were last week. And we talked about, you know, making a choice, making a decision to have Jesus as Lord. That, that there's a decision that has to be made to, to go all in with God. To not be afraid, to not wonder what that means for my life. But to just say, you know, I'm, I'm really all in now. I'm really 100%. Uh, and also we talked about the restoration when, when Elijah restored the altar. There's things we need to restore in our lives. We, some things we need to go back to. We need to return to that we've, we've left and they've gotten dusty and we need to dust them off and say, oh Lord, I've forgotten this in my life and you put it in my life. And then we talked about the boldness of Elijah, you know, that we want the, when the fire of God is in our homes, it's going to empower us to speak God's word and to do his will with boldness. Just like Lisa was talking about, she's talking about stepping out, you know, stepping out in faith. You know, when God says, do something to go ahead and go for it, go ahead and take a risk when was the last time you took a risk for God? It's a good question. I just thought I'd ask it right now. I don't want to answer, I don't want to answer it either. <laughs> it's a good question to ask. When was the last time you took a risk for God? Some of you are like, I did it this week. That's great. But uh, it doesn't mean you have to do it every week. But there's going to be times where God asks you to take a risk, to step out. That's, that's what faith is. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes it's spelled F-A-I-T-H. F-A-I-T-H. Okay, if you've been in children's ministry. Okay. Um, so today we're going we're gonna to go back. We went forward to Elijah and we're going to go back uh, to Leviticus. And so Leviticus is, is one of the books that makes people stop reading the Bible. <laughs> Let's be honest. You start, you start at the start of the year, you say, I'm going to read straight through the Bible. You get through Genesis. Genesis is pretty good, mostly stories. It's very story-oriented, so it's, it's, it's pretty easy reading. Exodus is mostly 
story until the very end. And then you hit Leviticus, and then you're... You're, sometimes your Bible reading just it gets very difficult, and so here's the deal: it is difficult. So you don't need to. We don't need to pretend that it's not. It's a lot of detail. It's a lot of regulations. It's uh, it's showing all how all the sacrifices are to be done. It's giving all the instructions. This is like the the manual for the Old Testament sacrifices, and so that's what Leviticus is. It's for the priests to understand. But there there is some good things in Leviticus. I wanted to show you one today. So I want you to know that you can get some stuff out of Leviticus. And so today we're going to look at that. So Leviticus, uh, let me set the stage. What's happening here is this is the first time that the ministry of the priests is set up. In other words, this is going to be the first sacrifice. The people of Israel are in the wilderness. And then God says, here's what you're supposed to do. You need to build this tabernacle. You need to build the altar. You need to build the candlesticks. You need to build the basins, all the different things. And you need to set it up. You've got to have the curtains so it can travel because they're in the wilderness. It's not a permanent building yet. And so, and God says, here's how you're going to worship me. Here's how you, here's who's supposed to be in charge. We're going to put the priests in charge. The people of the tribe of Levi, they got chosen. And so, all of that is Leviticus 1 through 8. Here's all the different offerings you can make. And if nothing else, Leviticus should be a great reminder to say, thank you, Jesus, that you, took, you paid the sacrifice so I don't have to do any more sacrifices. That's really, it's a book that points to Jesus. Because this, it says in Hebrews that all of this was a shadow or a copy of the true thing. In other words, Jesus was the true thing as he offered himself ultimately to God the Father in a heavenly offering that was forever, that was eternal. And so they've been setting it all up and, and in chapter 8 they ordain the priests, they like kind of set them apart and say, here's Aaron and here's his sons and here's all these people and we're going to anoint them and we're going we're gonna to set them apart to do God's work. And so then they begin to do the work for the first time. That's chapter 9. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It says they, they take this offering and they take that offering and they do all, they do what they're supposed to do. And you got to imagine this, this takes a bit of time. It's thing to remember is, you know, like they, they had to, you know, do all these different things. They had to sacrifice the animal and all the different stuff, clean it, do all this different stuff. Those of you that are hunters know that, you know, you don't do, it doesn't just happen like that, right? I have never killed a deer, so I don't know. But when you kill a deer, it's not like it just suddenly gets cleaned real quick, right? That's the not fun part of hunting is what I've heard. I don't know. I've only hunted birds. They're a lot easier to take care of. So, um, so that's what's happening. So there's this whole process they go through. And so then it says uh, in verse 22. So here's Leviticus 9 and verse 22. Holy Spirit, open the Word of God as we read it this morning in Jesus' name. It says, after he had done the offering, all the offerings that they were required to do, then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burn offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. And then Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And here's something amazing. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted for joy 
and fell face down. So here's, this is just an amazing, right in the middle of Leviticus, right in the middle of all the, all the regulations and the offerings and stuff, this is a, a, an encounter with God. This was a powerful encounter with God where the people were like, whoa, God, you're big. God, you're huge. You're powerful. And what is their response? They go, whoa, and then they fall down. Said so they shouted with praise, and they fell down and worshiped God. Man, that's a, that's a good, in, an encounter with God will lead you to worship Him more deeply. When you encounter Him, it's going to draw you to worship Him. So if your worship is weak, ask God, to, God, I need to encounter you. I need a fresh encounter with you. I'm open to being touched by you. He may not do it this way. He may choose to do something amazing. He's going to be unique and creative and do it just the way where he can get through to you. But he wants an invitation. He wants us to ask. And so there's this amazing encounter. And, you know, God, again, it's, it's the fire of God's presence. It says fire comes out and praise the Lord. Hey, look, there's something good that happened. It says the fire consumed the sacrifice, not the people. That's, that's the point of what's going on right here is that God says, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take this offering that you're given and you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be free. It's about, this is about forgiveness. That's what this is about right here. It says in the book of Hebrews, if you want to turn there, Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to go ahead and turn there. I know some of you are just waiting for the screen, but if you have your phone or your Bible, Hebrews chapter 9. Remember, the sacrifices are all a picture. They're a copy. They're a shadow of pointing towards Jesus. And so I don't have the time to go into all that today, but just as a brief uh, explanation, Hebrews, Hebrews is a great book for that. And it says, Hebrews 9, verse 11, when Christ came as what? The high priest. Okay, when, when Jesus came as the high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. So notice all the analogies, all the symbolism that's, that's here. He's talking about the high priest, the tabernacle. That is not to say a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. What that means is he only had to do it once. Jesus only had to offer himself one time because his blood was enough to cover all sin. And it says it was for an eternal redemption. In other words, it's not a temporary thing. You know, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were temporary. You know, there was one time a year where they do the big, big sacrifice. The high priest would go in the Holy of Holies. But they had, they had the daily offerings. They had all this different stuff. So all of those sacrifices and offerings, they were temporary they had a certain time period. They had an expiration date. You know, when you go to the store and you check the expiration date, because you decide, do I want to eat this? Do I, should, I, should I check the milk, Tommy, before I, <laughs> before I pour it on my cereal in Honduras? I should probably check the date on the milk. Because when the expiration date is out on the milk, let me tell you, that's a, that's a bad offering right there. <laughs> Just in case you were ever wondering. <laughs> Tommy, was, Tommy said, well, there's only one way to find out. Just taste it. <laughs> For some reason, I believed him. 
Okay, so I, I know what sour milk did. But look, there's an expiration date. In the Old Testament, it's like the time, there was a time limit. And so you've got to do it again. You've got to do this again. You've got to do this once a year. You've got to do this once a day. But when Jesus came, it says it was an eternal redemption. No expiration date. There's no expiration date on the blood of Jesus. And that's good news. 13, it says, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkle on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Look at this. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, He was the perfect sacrifice, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. How much more did the blood of Jesus accomplish what we needed in our lives? So when, when we have this picture of the fire of God's presence consuming the offering, it's a reminder that when we're cultivating the presence of God and the, the wholeness of God and the and the, and the fire of God in our household, that we are remembering that we are forgiven. And that's a big thing. Because that means when shame and guilt come knocking on my household door and say, hello, I want to come in and ruin your life. I want to come in and make you feel guilty about that thing in the past. I want to, I want to come in and remind you of all your sins that you can say, I'm sorry, this house has been forgiven. This household has the blood of Jesus and the presence of God in it. You're not welcome here. And so you do not, do not have to welcome that in your life or in your house any longer because I remember I am forgiven. I am trusting in the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. His blood is enough to cover me and all my sins. I need to forgive myself. Sometimes I, we need to forgive ourselves and let those things go to say, look, I'm going to let that go. Some of you have some stuff you're still beating yourself up over. Man, 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 man. Look to Jesus. The answer is to look to Jesus. The blood of Jesus is enough. Preaching woke somebody up. <laughs> Must be good preaching. Everybody's waking up, right? <laughs> so, so, the fire of God, part of cultivating that is cultivating the atmosphere of forgiveness. Now, number one, we want that for ourselves. But number two, here's the thing. Jesus says, you forgive because I forgive you. And this one's just as exciting, but it doesn't seem as exciting. It's just as exciting because the same power, the same blood... The same sacrifice of Jesus is at work for us to be forgiven as it also is at work for us to forgive somebody else. So there is, there is power that we have available to forgive. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. We can just look at it on the screen here. It says this, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So what's the foothold there? Is holding on to anger, right? What is a foothold? It means the devil has his foot in the door. It means access. This is one of the ways he gets access into our lives. Because he doesn't have a right anymore. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your heart to him, you're a child of God. And so the devil has no right in your life anymore. 
unless you open the door, unless you believe a lie. You can o- he can only be empowered by lies because he doesn't have any power. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We need to be reminded of that. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. All these things grieve the Holy Spirit, make make the Holy Spirit sad. Uh, The Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. It It does say all. It says all. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not really sorry, but it says all. It, it, that means we don't get to hold on to any of it. Didn't say it was easy. It, this is, but remember, we're trusting in Je- the power of Jesus and His blood to help us. It's not our own strength. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Brawling and all slander. Speaking badly about somebody else. Ouch. Along with every form of malice, that's just every form of evil intent, just wanting something bad for someone else or doing something bad so that someone else is harmed. You know, it's, you, those people you just have it out for, right? No, we don't get that option anymore. We're trusting in Jesus. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So right there, there's, there's, Jesus says it. Paul says it, forgiveness will be released in a household that is cultivating the presence of God, the fire of God in their home. It's going to happen. And you know what? This one is a huge challenge. I mean, there's like, there's only a few biggies that that constantly war at us. This is one of the ones that's always there. You know what? Several years ago, uh, it was actually uh, the Sunday after 9-11. This is just for interesting things that I hadn't thought of until I realized what I was preaching on mostly this morning was I was the associate pastor and helped, you know, I was the youth pastor and I was associate pastor of a church in Austin. This was 15 years ago in uh, September 11th, was on a Tuesday. And uh, that next Sunday, uh, my pastor had me scheduled to preach. And so he he had me preach. rather than him. I can't remember if he was gone or if he, if he just said, nope, we're going to keep the same schedule. I'm thinking, I, I'm looking back on that going, man, that's a smart senior pastor right there. <laughs> he says, well, you're going to do it. He may have been gone. I honestly don't remember. All I remember was like, why am I the one called to preach? And we were going through the book of Ephesians. And we were going section by section. And he actually had said, we're going to take some of these, you know, this is the end of chapter 4. We're kind of here at this section. And so you, you kind of just focus in on whatever you want to focus in on that section. And so what did I preach on the Sunday after 9-11 in 2001? I preached on forgiveness. It's from this scripture right here. You know, forgiveness is one of the most powerful weapons we have as a follower of Jesus. See, our weapons are different. We we don't fight with the same we don't fight with the same weapons that the world fights with. It says that in Second Corinthians ten, our weapons are not of this world. You know what are the weapons of this world? Rage and anger. You want to take over a situation? Blow up, right? 
blow up. And sometimes, you know what, it does work. I'm not saying it doesn't work. You can get your way. You know, you want something to happen at work, you blow up. Boom. Suddenly everybody's like, ooh. The other people that blow up might blow up back at you. And then you're in the brawling section <laughs> of that Scripture, right? I don't know. Some of you have been like, you know, anger can lead to that, right? It leads to saying unwholesome things out of our mouths, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out. Something starts coming out of your mouth. Something starts coming out of someone else's mouth. And you... You're brawling, whether it's physically or verbally or whatever. There's a brawl going on. The, the rumble is on. <laughs> and so we don't have, we're not, we're not called to use the same weapons. That's not the weapons Jesus used. Jesus was the most victorious human that ever lived. He was the picture of what humans are supposed to be like. Hey, this is what life is supposed to look like. And so he was victorious over everything, not with domination, but with forgiveness. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they, they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is a powerful weapon that we have. We have to cultivate it first within our families, though. If our household, if we can't forgive one another, how are we going to be able to forgive someone outside of our, of our house? Did I say it was easy? No. no. <laughs> it is simple, but it's not easy. But... The power of the blood of Jesus is behind our ability to forgive. That's, that's the power that's there. The same power. So that's why there's always enough of Jesus to allow me to forgive someone who's, who's even hurt me badly. Sometimes there's a perceived hurt, right? Have you ever had a perceived hurt where you, you just get crossways with someone, whether it's someone in your house or someone you work with or just another family member, somebody in the church, in your church family, you get, you get crosswise. There may not be a real hurt that's there, but you, you imagine it's there. I had one of those, you know, in college, I've told you the story. I had a roommate and we just got crosswise and we didn't, I mean, can I ever say that he really hurt me? No, we just kind of got, we just kind of got on a different page and I was, I was holding unforgiveness against him for a, for a while. And I had, to be, I had to be free from that. I had to come to a point where I had to say, God, I choose to forgive him. You know, this past couple weeks, uh, in, the, in the past two weeks, let me just make a confession to you. Confession time with Pastor John. Step into my office. No. You know, sometimes I read Facebook. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> okay, sometimes I get on there and you scroll through the, the things. And sometimes when I read those things... I get upset at people. Not you. It's not any of you. <laughs> I promise. And this wasn't any of you. But there was something that was said on there. You know, and I'm, I'm the type of person, my wife says, why do you, why do you get into that? Why do you? I said, I don't, I don't know why. What, I don't know. But I, I know they're wrong, and I know I'm right, or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's that part of me that wants to be right. And I want them, everybody to know that you don't have to be wrong. You can be like me, okay? Okay? Pray for this, this mindset. So, you got a bad mindset. And then you, I read something on Facebook. And it was posted by our, our president of Foursquare. And people responded to it. And I got mad at another pastor who wrote something on the Facebook page. And so, I didn't let it sit a long time. But... I came right in, I, I was here at the office, and 
you know, maybe I was posting something on the church Facebook. Maybe I shouldn't have been on there. I have no clue. But whatever. I came right in fairly quickly and said, man, I need to forgive that person. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Isn't it ridiculous that I read something on Facebook and I'm all stirred up inside? They have no clue. They have no clue. I mean, they don't even live here. They're not in the city. I mean, it's not like I see them. You know, I could run into them at at some point, but I I don't see them. And so I had to come in here and just like, okay, I'm just going to... So I just said, I forgive. Several times I just said, I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to, I begin to pray for them and go, you know what? Why am I, why am I so upset about this? So there's sometimes where, where it's like that, where, you know, that's, that's a small thing. But when, when somebody really hurts us, though, it's a, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. And we don't have to pretend that it's not difficult when somebody has hurt us deeply. It's usually the people that are closest to us that hurt us deeply. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not Joe Blow out, out wherever that you've not known before. You kind of get upset for a while and you go, oh, just whatever. I forgive that person, God, and you move on. But when it's somebody close to you or somebody you have to see or, you know, a, a parent or a spouse or a, a close friend or something, when, when, when something happens to you, it's hard to forgive. But when I'm cultiv- if I want wholeness in my life, I have to say, okay, God, I'm going to choose to not operate out of my feelings. I'm going to choose to operate out of the truth of God's Word. Sometimes we have, to, we have to choose to just follow God's Word and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to forgive this person. You know, it works best when we say it out loud because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so when you say something out loud, it has a lot more effect. Uh, there's something about it. It's not just thinking it in your mind, but you're saying, no, I really choose to forgive this person. And you know what? You're, you're, that's not saying that what they did was okay. We have to be reminded of that. When I choose to forgive, when I choose to forgive, It's not saying that what they did was okay. It's saying that what Jesus did was more powerful. It's saying the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the offering, the perfect offering. Jesus, I'm believing that that's greater than this hurt. Jesus, I'm believing you that your power to heal is greater than their power to hurt me. Because we have to believe that because Jesus says, hey, forgive as I've forgiven you. We did the same thing to God. Jesus went through it. Jesus knows what we're going through. It says that Jesus took all his sin on him when he went to the cross. So I, I believe that Jesus felt every hurt. I believe that he felt what it was like to be whatever bad thing you can think of. I don't want to name off every bad thing right now. There's all kinds of junk that happens to us in this world because it's a broken world. And Jesus says, I'm coming to give you wholeness in this life and more importantly, in the life to come. But it's a choice. I have to choose to say, I'm not going to let this door be open in my life. I'm not going to let this door be open in my life. 
So today, is there anybody you need to forgive? I want us. We're, we're going to close. We're this. We've we've got the message from God today. There's. I have more, but we're not. We're not going to go on. Some of us need to close doors still. And you know what? It's not always a one-time deal. For some reason, it's sometimes it's like peeling an onion. There's just a new layer. It's not that you haven't forgiven somebody. It's that you're. There's a new layer of it. God's going deeper in the healing process. To me, that's what's happening is he's going deeper in our hearts and saying, I'm here to heal. When Jesus asks us to forgive, it's, it's, for his, it's from his heart to heal. It's from his heart to say, I want you to be whole. I want you to be free. You know, it's a silly picture, but who was free when I was upset at somebody on Facebook? That other person who was in bondage. I had all the emotions and the anxiety. I had all the stuff going on in me. That's what happens when we, you know, we hold something against somebody else. It's like whether what they did was right or wrong or it doesn't matter. I, I don't want to let their hurt put me in chains. When Jesus says, my blood is enough. And, so some, and sometimes, you know what, people keep hurting us. It doesn't mean what I'm not saying, just to clear that up. What I'm not saying is you don't have to keep putting yourself in an abusive situation or or a situation that gives you harm. You can say, I'm moving out of that relationship, okay? So I'm never saying, oh, you just keep forgiving, it's all right. You've got a spousal abuse or different things. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to forgive, but you need to move yourself to safety. If there's a relationship that you need to take a break from or move yourself out of, any kind of relationship that's harming you physically, or emotionally, you know, it might just be a break, but it might be some protection. You need to move yourself and allow God to bring healing in your heart so you can have that forgiveness and that freedom. So, that. Let's close our eyes and let's just, let's just allow the Holy Spirit. If you need to forgive somebody, just Holy Spirit, bring up anybody or anything in our hearts. If there's something in us right now, we're choosing to, to forgive. Lord, we thank you and we choose to believe. Lord, we thank you for the offering of Jesus that you only had to offer yourself once and it's enough to forgive all my sins and it's also enough to forgive any sin that's committed against me. Lord, none of them were right. It wasn't right the things we've done to you. It's not right the things I've done to other people, Lord. And it's not right the things, that pe- the things people have done to me. But I choose to hold on to what, what was done right was when you came and out of love you sacrificed yourself for me. And you came and you covered my sin. And you came and said, that is enough. And I'm going to give you the power to forgive as well through the power of my sacrifice, through the power of my blood in you. How much more are you able to deliver us from anything that would cause us harm or hurt or death in our lives? Lord, you, your power to heal is greater than anybody's power to harm us, even ourselves, harming ourselves through our choices. So we choose to trust in you. We choose once again to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And so right now, if you need to forgive someone, just just very quietly, under your breath, you can say, Lord, I I forgive. If they're right next to you, do it later. (laughs) It could be. But Lord, right now, we, we, I just say, Lord, because of what you've done, I choose to forgive.
And I am believing God for your healing in my heart. I welcome your healing in my heart. Lord, we don't want to have we don't want to have bitterness in our hearts, God. We don't want to we don't want to hold things against anybody. Lord, we don't want to be blinded by offense. Lord, we don't want to take the the bait of the enemy to to go after and hold on to something. God, we choose to forgive. We choose to say, God, I'm believing you. I'm believing you. It's a miracle. Lord, you're the God of miracles, and I choose to believe in the miracle of forgiveness. And I choose to let that person go and release them to you. God, we release those people to you right now. Lord, we, we can't fix them. We can't change what they've done, but we release it to you. And we ask you to be at work in our hearts, first of all. Thank you for freedom, God. I pray that you would help us use this weapon. Lord, it's, it's a simple weapon, but it's one of the weapons we have to stay free. And to stay free of offense, to stay free of, of rage and anger and anxiety that build up within us. God, you've given us a weapon to break that chain. And so we choose to use it this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So use that weapon. I encourage you, use that weapon. We are going to transition. We got two things. Number